welcome to the weekly podcast of Trinity Life Church. We are a local church that gathers in downtown Toronto on Sundays and all throughout our city during the week. Now our mission is to help people discover their identity and destiny in Christ so we can influence our city, our country, and our world. If you're looking for a place to call home, we'd love to have you. Our services are Sunday from 10.30 to noon at Jarvis Collegiate. Enjoy this week's podcast. Church, I love that graphic that we have. I love that it says love 24 hours because this series is all about you live what you love. And today we're focusing on the mind. Love the Lord your God with all of your mind. And uh, just think about your mind. You can't stop it, right? It just continues to run 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. And that graphic shows that if our mind's running that much, and if we're going to love the Lord our God with all of our mind, well, we're doing it 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. So I just love how that graphic shows us that this series called You Live What You Love is, I mean, it's about love. We're, we're, we're in February. Valentine's Day is approaching, although, you know, I don't love Valentine's Day, but uh, we're talking about how we, how we love things and what that looks like in our lives. So, so what is love? Is it, is it an external feeling? Is it an, an internal emotion? Uh, well, yes, it's, it's both those things, but above all, it's a choice. It's something we choose to do. It's something we, we um, uh, walk forward in. It's a commitment. It's a covenant. It's saying yes to this thing and saying no to all the other things. And, and love is so important because we tend to live what we love. So today we're talking about the mind, loving the Lord your God with all your mind, and how that relates to vocation. And, and throughout this month, we'll talk about uh, this, uh, this passage. We'll go in this passage the whole month. And so we'll, we'll do a really deep dive. Today we're just going to talk about the first few verses here. And, and we're going to use loving the Lord your God with all your, your heart, mind, soul, strength as kind of a rubric for the month for us. And, and today we're pairing loving the Lord your God with your mind with vocation. And, and so uh, what do I mean by that? What do I mean by vocation? Well, well first of all, uh, vocation is manifested into our commitments. And throughout the month of February, we're going to talk about commitments. We're going to talk about different commitments like marriage and family. We're going to talk about uh, your community. We're going to talk about your, your faith, your philosophy of life, your, your, your way of living, uh, all, all these things. So um, your vocation is manifested in those different spheres. So what is vocation? What, what do we mean there? What are we talking about there? Well, one, vocation is not your job. Vocation is not your job. Your job is temporary. At the, yeah, at the most, at the best, your job is a vehicle for your vocation. It's not your actual vocation. It's a vehicle for it. Okay? So this, this idea of, God, what do you want me to do with the rest of my life being your job, get that idea out of your head. Your vocation is not a job. It's not your job. You might even not have that job next week or tomorrow or next year, right? Your job changes. It's, it's temporary and your vocation is not, okay? Um, some of you guys, even your job isn't even a vehicle for your vocation. That might not be the case for you. So 
uh, let's, let's, let's get that clear. Vocation is not your job. Number two, vocation is not about what you do. It's about what God does. It's not about what you do. It's about what God does. Okay? Let's get that, let's get that clear too. In the Christian world, we talk about vocation a lot as calling. Okay? Because it comes from this, this, this word calling. But in doing so, I think we've misunderstood calling as some mysterious entity that uh, we have to search all our lives to uncover. And if you uncover it and discover your vocation, and, uh, then, then, you're, then you're one of the lucky ones. But vocation is much more clear than that. I hope that encourages you this morning. That vocation is much more clear than that, and it doesn't actually rely as much on you as you think. It's actually not a burden placed on us. When we think of vocation like this calling that we have to uncover, it becomes this burden that, that's placed on us, but vocation is actually an invitation into God's love and God's grace. So that's a good way for us to start thinking about vocation. There's two more things. Uh, three, uh, vocation's purpose. Vocation's purpose is to love and serve your neighbor. It's to serve your neighbor and love your neighbor. That is vocation's purpose. That is the goal of vocation. We'll talk about that more uh, as we go through this month. Next week in particular, we'll talk about loving your neighbor as yourself. Um, but this means that loving your neighbor is the impetus, it's the goal, it's the end of your vocation, of you living that out. And it flows out of the source, which is God's love. Your vocation flows out of the source, God's love. That is where your, voca your, where your vocation starts. And the end, the goal of that vocation, God's love, is to love others. So that changes how you view, how you actually think you're living out your vocation now. It changes your understanding of vocation. Because it makes you look at your job, for instance, and say, well, is my job actually empowering me in my vocation? Is my job actually empowering me to, to uh, love God and love others? Is my family actually empowering me to love God and love others? Is my marriage doing that? Are my relationships doing that right now? Okay? Where your vocation is manifested in all these areas. Is my community doing that? Like, who, who is empowering me to love God and love others? That's where you're living your vocation out. Number four, because of the first three, vocation is all-encompassing. It's all-encompassing. Because this your vocation, which is your calling into God's love, let's be clear, your vocation is your calling into God's love. So if you're searching for your calling, you're searching for, for your vocation, you were designed, you were created to go into God's love. He has invited us into that, to experience His love and His grace. So you've been called into that. Because of that, you, he, you experience His love, you love Him, you love others. And so because of that, your vocation is much bigger than you think. Because it's manifested in all these different areas. It's manifested in a multitude of spheres and arenas. Uh, it's manifested in all of your commitments. It's manifested in all of uh, your relationships. And so we'll touch on this all through the month of February because you live what you love. And if your vocation is to love God and love others, you're going to live that out. So let's go to the passage here. And like I said, we're just going to deal with the first few verses today. 
all of these sermons this month build on one another. So think of this as part one of a part four series. They're going to build on one another. So this passage that Adam read this morning, uh, we're going to put it all together uh, throughout the month. So first few verses here, starting in verse 25, it says, And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test. Who's he putting to the test? He's putting Jesus to the test. Okay, and that, that may push you off uh, or, or make the lawyer seem like a bad guy in your mind right now. But remember, guys, um, it's not necessarily a bad guy. They're trying to figure out who Jesus is. They don't have the, the benefit that we have. And if you're a follower of Jesus and knowing Jesus and knowing who he is, they're, they're trying to figure that out right now. Okay, so he, he poses this question to him. He says, teacher, what shall I do to inherit etern eternal life? Guys, that is the true question of vocation. If you look there, the lawyer's question is, is not focused uh, just on here and now. It's focused on eternity. It's an eternal perspective. It's an eternal question, which means when we're talking about vocation, your vocation is eternal. That's why I say your job is not your vocation, because for most of you, you probably hope you're not doing that job in eternity. Right? Your job is not your vocation. It's temporary. Your marriage is not your vocation. It's temporary. Your children are not your vocation. They are temporary. Pick, a pick any relationship. Your community is not uh, your vocation unless it's the, 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 the universal church because that's what's going to last. Right? So, so here his question is, is towards eternity and, and your vocation is eternal as well. Your vocation is not just for this world, it's for the life to come. It's for eternity. And, and so the lawyer's question here, uh, he asked Jesus a good one. What shall I do to inherit eternal life? And of course, Jesus, uh, we're not supposed to. This is what Jesus does. It. He answers a question with a question. He says, uh, what's written in the law and how do you read it? So what's important here is, is in verse 27, uh, the, the lawyer is going to answer. I'm going to talk about this, though, when I refer to uh, this verse, love the Lord your God and your neighbor as yourself. I'm going to refer to it as Jesus talking because Jesus says it earlier or, or in another gospel. Uh, God also writes this in Deuteronomy chapter 6, uh, but here it's the lawyer's words, right? And he's referencing Deuteronomy chapter 6. He's speaking the truth of God here. So God has delivered this. Back in Deuteronomy, now the lawyer is delivering this. Um, and, and now, uh, and then Jesus, you'll see, he affirms it. So uh, just if I say Jesus said this, like that's, that's why I'm saying this. If I say God says this, that's, that's why. Uh, so Jesus asks a question and the lawyer, he gives the first part of the answer, which we're going to deal with today, um, which is, well, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength and with all your mind. The neighbor is yourself part, again, we're going to talk about next week. And so the lawyer gives this answer, and this is the true answer to vocation. It's not an answer that is, that is focused on an ethereal eternity somewhere there in, in the abstract future. It's actually focused on the here and now, and Jesus affirms it. 
It's not an abstract spirituality. Jesus actually affirms these concrete practicals in our lives that, that our mind has to, we have to devote our entire mind to God. We have to devote our entire heart to God. We have to devote our entire strength to God and our entire soul has to be devoted to God. And this, this word here in the Greek is this word holos, which is where we get uh, holistic, whole. It's, it's everything. So this, this helps us see that Jesus is talking about not a siloed, not a segmented, not a segregated love of God where you love God over here, you have your religious sphere, your faith sphere, your church sphere, whatever you want to call it. You have your friends here, your social media here, your, your job here, your, whatever it is. He says, no, when you love God, it impacts everything in your life. When you love God, it's with all of your being, all of your heart all of your soul, all of your mind, all of your strength. It's holistic. Guys, stop, segment, stop segmenting your love of God. And, and if you don't think you do that, check your social media posts the last you know, few weeks. How, how many of the posts are about Jesus? If Jesus is your life, as Colossians 3 says, man, Jesus should be all over that. Now, I don't mean you got to like, Tell people they're sinners and, and they're, they're, they're going to hell and ask if they want to be saved. I mean, guys, Jesus just comes out just like your marriage does, your family does, your job does, your relationships do, your, your food pictures do, uh, all, all that stuff, right? You're just sharing Jesus because he is your life. That's how you love God with all of your heart, all your soul. Right? But that's when you've experienced God's love. So you can't help but share that with others. I'm getting ahead of myself. We'll talk about that more next week. But, but that's how you love your neighbor yourself. You, like, you can't help but do that. So um, it's holistic. James K. Smith, he's a philosopher. Uh, he's, he's written this book called You Are What You Love. You are what you love. And he kind of gives us a foundation here because our series is called you, you Live What You Love, right? So we're taking you are what you love. Yes, that's the truth. And then we're saying, well, because of that, you live a certain way, right? So we're taking his, his premise here, his statement, and we're taking a step further. Uh, his, his whole book is really about this question. He says, we've been conditioned to know, to think in order to love. But what if we're actually supposed to love in order to know? And he says this reversal actually changes how we view discipleship. We've been influenced by this Cartesian idea of I think, therefore I am, coming from Rene Descartes, right? Uh, so I think, therefore I am. But Jesus, Paul, the, the scriptures, the Bible starts with I am loved, therefore I am. That's your identity. I'm loved. God first loved us that we, would, that, that we would even know what love is, right? That we could love. So I love, therefore, I, I, sorry, I am loved, therefore I am. That's your identity in Christ. And then the Bible goes on to I am, therefore I love. That's your destiny in Christ. That's your purpose in Christ. I, I am, therefore I love. And then the Bible goes a step further, which is where we're taking this series. I love, therefore I live. I love, therefore I live in a certain way. That's your influence. That's how you influence. But it has to start with identity. It has to start with experiencing God's love. And it has to go into destiny. It has to go into, into um, so you love. 
right? And then you influence by living that out. That's the question we're really getting into when we talk about vocation. Smith says actually uh, that this has a lot to do with discipleship because discipleship is a kind of immigration, right? Where for those of you who have, who have immigrated, you know when, when you leave your old habitat to come in a new one, you're learning new customs, new habits, new, new language sometimes. You're learning a new way of living, which means you also have to get rid of your old way of living. You have to unlearn some things. And that's where the battle is. That's where, that's where it gets really hard because uh, you have rival schools against each other here. Right? You have, you have uh, your old way of living rivaling against the new, the new way. That's why, it's, that's why uh, Paul says your citizenship, uh, Peter too, is not here. It's in heaven. It's a spiritual citizenship. Right? And it's so hard because we live in this world and we have this citizenship elsewhere and they're battling against each other. But this starts to, starts to help us understand discipleship in, in a new way uh, because Jesus is in this environment in this passage, right? He is, he's in a, in a culture that he's come into where he's just trying to establish a new kingdom culture. And it's rival schools. It's, it's difficult. And this is how he is with us right now. This isn't just in the Bible. This is with you right now. This is with me right now. We're in a specific culture where we're influenced by certain things. And Jesus is trying to establish a kingdom culture in you and in me, in our church, in our city, in our world right now. And he's saying, hey, there's just two great commandments, or there's one great commandment here. Love God with everything you are. When that happens, you're going to love your neighbor as yourself. That is the sum of your vocation. And you may be saying, well, um, okay, a couple questions. One, well, let's start with this. How do we love God fully? How do we do that? How do we even start to love God fully? Well, uh, let's start with the mind first, because that's what we're talking about today. Uh, and, and how we are, and how we s subconsciously or unconsciously and consciously fill our minds. So you're doing that all day, every day. You're filling your mind with something passively, actively, subconsciously or unconsciously or consciously, your mind is being filled. It's why the Bible is so big on the life of the mind, uh, especially in the New Testament with think on these things that are good and noble and praiseworthy and of excellence and just and that are lovely, right? Philippians 4, where we're supposed to set our mind on Christ at the right hand of the Father in Colossians 3, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 2, you have the mind of Christ, operate in that. Right? First Thessalonians 5, uh, pray without ceasing. What is praying except a constant redemption of our thoughts? He also says, take every thought captives. There's all, these, there's all these verses on the life of the mind to love the Lord our God with all of our mind. And, and guys, we're, we're such a product, Smith talks about this, we're such a product of competing liturgies in our lives, things that form us and things that he would say, deform us, D-E hyphen form us. So they form us and some things deconstruct us or they deform us, right? And if you can invite God into those spaces, if you can start to say, God, I want to see the things around me that, that form me and shape me and the things that deform me and, and, and uh, is it D-shape? D-shape me, uh, then, then uh, God will help you start to see these competing liturgies, and then you'll start to see that some of your loves have been hijacked. Some of, the, some of the things that you're influenced by 
have hijacked what you should be loving. They've conscripted, they've conscripted them into their own devices, into their own ways. They, your, your loves are automated by, by these other things that you didn't even realize they were controlling the things that you love and the way that you live. Think about our own Marshall McLuhan who says the medium is the message, right? Uh, he, he says the medium is the message, and I think we've forgotten that. Uh, so meaning that when you're looking at things that shape you, and that shape your loves, meaning they shape who you are, right? They shape your identity, they shape uh, how you live, they shape your destiny and your influence. It's not just the information you are drinking and imbibing, it's not just the information you're intaking that has an effect on you. It's actually the way you take in that information that also affects you. The medium is also the message. For instance, if you receive all your information through social media, where you're receiving your, your information through something that has a lot of narcissism in it, that has a, has a lot of self-centeredness in it, that has a lot of egocentricity in it. And you can't argue against that because it's all about, like, guys, remember Facebook started? It was just about sharing pictures with your family and friends. It quickly evolved or devolved into, hey, look at me. Hey, I have... 10 million friends and I only know one of them, right? Get as many Instagram followers as you can and if you have, you know, so many of them, well, guys, you, you've created a voyeuristic culture where people are, are looking into your life and you're posting things that they like so you have to get better and better at posting better and better things so you get more and more likes that you feel better about yourself. It's just a narcissistic spiral whirlpool of egocentricity. And, and so if you're getting a lot of your information from there about others in your relationships or news or, or whatever, things, things like that, well, that medium is shaping you. It's either forming you or deforming you according to your kingdom identity. The medium does that just as much. Guys, we can talk about that with, with, with TV. We can talk about that with books. We can talk about that with newspapers, if anyone reads those anymore. Talk about that with magazines. We can talk about that with, with any form of, of medium. And, and some of these are good, some of these are bad. Like, just take pornography. We'd all agree that is, that, is a, that is not a good medium, but that deforms you so quickly. Or, or we could talk about video games, something that's made for fun, but if used in the wrong way, it can just become an addictive uh, tunnel of darkness, right? Um, or it can be a fun time with your family and friends, right? So there's, there's this medium aspect to it that I, that I, wanna, that I don't want us to forget. So what does this have to do with vocation? What does this have to do with your, your question that you're probably asking, which is, well, how does that help me figure out what I'm supposed to do right now? How does that help me figure out what I'm supposed to do with the rest of my life? Well, once you start recognizing that all these things have the power to form and deform you, that all these things are actually discipling you into the kingdom of God or somewhere else, then that helps shape your understanding of vocation. Because all these fears need to be reconciled to God. All of these fears become a, an area where you live out your vocation. And the purpose of your vocation is to love others. And, and then you can understand this, this illustration from Martin Luther where he says, vocations like, uh, living out your vocations like this, when you go into a room and there is a 
child hiding behind the couch. But you don't know that anyone's hiding in there. It's just a room to you. But when the child reveals himself, it changes the entire landscape of the room. The entire feel of it changes, right? There's joy there, there's happiness, there's laughter. The room just changes entirely. And he says vocation is like that because God is hiding in the everyday things. God is hidden everywhere among us in the everyday things. And if we could just recognize his presence, it would change the way we view those things. If you recognize God's presence in your marriage, in your kids, in your relationships, in your family, in your job, in your church, in your, all these, in the, in, when you get groceries, when you get your haircut, eventually when we're out of lockdown, uh, uh, when you're serving others, when you are reading a book, when you're watching TV, when you're listening to music, you recognize God in all those places, it would transform the way you see vocation. It would transform your calling. It would transform how you experience the love of God. Some of you are so busy asking God what he wants you to do with the rest of your life that you're just missing all of that. You're missing what he's doing right now. Guys, and it's not an age thing. I know 70 and 80-year-olds who struggle with this, who are just missing it. Vocation isn't a matter of discovering your life work. It's not a matter of figuring out what you're supposed to do with your life or what you're going to be when you grow up. It's largely a matter of seeing where God is working where he's acting right now, in and through you, now. And if you follow God, he's going to answer those questions for you. So to be clear, your vocation is supposed to be focused on loving God. It's defined by that. It's directed by loving God. That is your vocation. Whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, you are designed for that. And that will empower you to love others, and then you'll see how you influence. So, then what? Let's say, you're, let, let's say you accept that. You're, you're like, okay, I do want to experience God's love. I welcome that into my life. Um, and to be clear, these things don't, it's not a linear motion. These things kind of happen simultaneously, right? You don't need to love God perfectly in these spheres to start loving your neighbor. You're, you're hopefully loving your neighbor at the same time. Uh, so these things are happening simultaneously. But, but now what? How do I, how do I influence how do I start to live what I love? How do I live that out? Well, here's some practices to live what you love. There's, there's six here. We're going we're gonna to just run through them. The first one is search the past. A lot of times when we think about loving God with our minds, uh, we think about forward thinking, innovation, moving forward, progressive thinking, uh, creating things. And, and yes, think that way. Uh, but also, you need to consider the past. What is, like, remember, the Bible talks about remembering a lot. Uh, so remember what God has done in the past. Remember where he's brought you, what he's brought you through. Remember who he is, what he's done, who his, what, is it, what his character is. And so, so search your past, and if you want to move forward in the future, uh, one of the best places to start is to, look, is to look back and say, okay, I see God's goodness there. I see him, how he used me there. I see spiritual gifts there. I see uh, these different things. So search your past. Um, Nietzsche, he's, Nietzsche, he says this. He says this about this specific thing. He says, the best way to discover your purpose is to go into your past and discover times that you truly were loved. Times, experiences, people, ideas that both dominated you and delighted you at the same time. I love that. 
I love that. Um, number two, interest trumps talent. Okay, sometimes you think, oh, I have to be super talented to do this thing, uh, to go forward in this thing. But guys, interest trumps talent every time. Uh, is it too early to, anyways. Uh, interest, not talent, is what's gonna keep you going when it gets hard. Because guess what? It's going to get difficult. You're gonna come up against obstacles, hindrances, and talent doesn't win the day. Interest does. And if you've truly experienced God's love, your interest will never wane because the source of your vocation is a never-ending source of God's perfect love. And the goal of your vocation is just to share that. And so there's, there's no loss of interest there for, for you if you're following Jesus, if you're informed by something that's eternal and, and will never uh, exhaust itself, right? Uh, number three, just say yes. Just say yes. Be biased towards action. Uh, I mean, you live what you love, right? That's, that's what we're talking about here. The kingdom of God is simply defined as this. God in action. That's a Dallas Willard quote. I love that. God in action. It's, it's God saying yes. And all of our, our, uh, all of our, yes is fine, or all of our prom promises in God find their yes and amen in Jesus, right? So just say yes. If you want to join God, you have to move. You have to. You have to be willing to move from where you currently are. Uh, number four, search yourself. Search yourself. Okay, so here's the thing about vocation. Um, you don't actually have as much choice in vocation as you think you do. Uh, th think about this. Uh, if I were to choose growing up, uh, well, there's a few things that, that uh, I talked about a few weeks ago uh, that, I uh, that I wanted to be when I grew up. Uh, but one of those things I didn't mention is I would love to play quarterback in the NFL. Well, guess what, guys? Even though I want to choose that as, my, as something I do with my life, I don't have the greatest arm strength. I don't want to get hit by 300-pound guys. I don't want, like, I, I'm not talented enough, right? Now, I would be interested, but, but uh, there, there's some limitations there, right? So, you can't do anything you want to do. You have to search yourself to live out what you love too. You have to say, okay, how has God uniquely created me? What has he uniquely given me? What is my gift mix? What are my talents? What are my passions? All these things, how do they come together to live out my vocation, my calling uh, to love God and to love others? How, how, how does it do that? How does who I am fit there. Walker Percy, he's an author, he says this. He says, lucky is the person who does not secretly believe that every opportunity is open to him. That's where true freedom is. We discover who you are, how God's created you, and you just let him empower you into that. Number five, fill yourself with joy. What gives you the most joy? What deeply satisfies you? How can you pair this and what gives you the most joy with a need in the world. Right, what led me into, into understanding vocation more was I was sitting in a church when I was uh, in university and the pastor said, you should do with your life what brings you the most joy. That's when I knew that what brought me the most joy was reading the scriptures and sharing that with other people. Even at that point, I had no aspirations for ministry. I actually didn't want to be 
in ministry. I didn't want to be a pastor. I didn't want to be a church, whatever, church leader. Uh, none of those things. I just thought, you know, when he said that, I immediately knew that understanding God's love and sharing that with others was what brought me the most joy. And that set me on a path to where I am today, where, where every day I get to do that with people. And so fill yourself with joy. What, what brings you the most joy? Number six, this one's going to be big. Just start doing it. Just start doing it. You don't need a degree. You don't need a certain amount of money. Just do it. Just move forward. Along the way, everything else will come. Don't think you have to have everything perfect and set up before you actually take a step forward. David Brooks says this. He's a, he's a cultural commentator. He says, those who have found their vocation actually feel like they don't have a choice. So it's almost like, it's not, hey, the, the world is your oyster. You have freedom to choose whatever you want to choose. Do whatever you want. Um, if you believe in yourself enough, everything is possible. He says, no, those who actually discover their vocation actually feel like they don't have a choice because if they didn't do that thing, they'd be violating their very nature. We would say you'd be violating your very kingdom identity. And so just, just do it. Just start moving forward in your kingdom identity and the other things will follow. And Jesus says this in so many words in verse 28. He says, after the lawyer responds, he says, you've answered correctly. Do this, just do it, and you will live. Guys, this isn't an action movie where Jesus has the lawyer by the throat and he says, do this and... <laughs> and I will let you live, right? This isn't, this isn't that. This is Jesus saying, do this, and you're going to experience the abundant life. Do this, and you'll experience a different quality of living. Do this, and you'll understand what I, what I fully and uh, originally created you for. Do this, and you'll live. And here's the truth, guys. You can't just think your way to new desires. You can't just think your way to new loves. You can't just think your way to new formation. It's not just about loving God with all of your mind. You have to love God with all of your everything, your heart, your soul, your strength as well. It's holistic. And, and we're going to talk about that as, as we keep on going through the series because our goal in the series is to help you live what you love. And so let's, let's do that together as a church in our city to influence out of our kingdom identity and our destiny. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you that uh, it is, it's so simple. It's so simple. Do this and we will live. But I don't know why we do anything else. I don't know why we get so distracted by other things when you say, if we just love God, love others, do this, experience the love of God, we'll live. We'll experience abundant life. We'll experience eternal life. We'll experience the life we're always created for. So help us continue to do that. Thank you for your long suffering with us. Thank you for your patience. Continue to shape us and form us into kingdom citizens who influence this world for your glory. In your name, amen. If you want to know more about the TLC community, check out trinitylife.ca or you can find us on Facebook. Of course, we'd way rather meet you in person, so we hope to see you at a service soon.